0: Welcome back to World on Drugs, everybody. I am your host Steve Fury. And we got another bummer episode. This one's all about fentanyl. <sighs> uh, if you don't know what it is, a quick, just a quick little thing about fentanyl. Um, fentanyl is a powerful, rapid-acting synthetic opioid. First synthesized more than about 50 years ago. At the time, and to this day, it has served as an invaluable resource for medicine. It is the opiate most commonly used to initiate anesthesia worldwide and for good reason. When used correctly, it has minimal cardiovascular effects. It does not stress the body. It's relatively short-acting. It's easy and inexpensive to synthesize and is now familiar to nurses and doctors working in operative medicine all over the planet. In the last 20 to 30 years, the development of new and non-invasive drug delivery systems has also enabled fentanyl to become extremely effective for both around-the-clock pain management as well as treating sudden breakthrough pain. Unfortunately, if you've heard of fentanyl recently, it was most likely related to some form of drug overdoses. While the drug itself has revolutionized medicine, its abuse in conjunction with the nationwide opiate epidemic has led to a remarkable increase in drug-related overdose and deaths. Yeah, so this episode's a little bit of a bummer, you know? Um, Recently, a few LA comedians passed away, and one was seriously injured, um due to fentanyl in cocaine I only knew really one of them only as like a you know co-worker that when you see you talk to and but I've had a lot of friends die um of opiate related deaths or no people and you've probably known celebrities and stuff like that and I kind of just wanted to uh know what the fuck's going on I really wanted to know why it's getting into cocaine um like I said it is an opiate so if you have no idea what drugs are opiates um they make you feel good, kind of tired. Um, uppers like speed or cocaine or something like that is—they uh, make you feel energetic. They make you feel wiry. They make you want to focus on stuff. They make you want to talk. So. So the reason why everyone's using fentanyl, a little quick one, is because it's smaller and easier to ship, right? So as much heroin as you need in a giant brick in a small fentanyl ball about the size of... I mean, you can OD from a size of a pin, like a pen, a little drop at the bottom, that can cause you to OD. So when people are putting it in cocaine, that's why people are dying, because you just get one little hit of it and you die. Or it's spread out throughout the bag and then everyone dies. So the reason it's coming over is because a lot easier ships a lot smaller so then when it comes over the border people break it up and break it into step down cocaine which is or stepped on cocaine which is a cocaine that's less pure and they really use it a lot for making fake pills the little blue uh oxycontin pills and um they do that because it's a lot harder to get oxycontin right now especially with the the um government uh putting on sanctions and uh being a lot stricter on uh, doling out pills which they should but you know it doesn't help people that are already addicted. And then so people bring over the small amount of uh, fentanyl, break it up in these pills so the pills hit but these aren't scientists and people have been dying. And I've known a lot of people have died from uh, opiate overdoses in cocaine. I mean that's why I just don't understand why they're putting in cocaine. If this stuff's supposed to make you sleepy and numb, that's the opposite of what you want on cocaine. I mean you can be numb on cocaine but then they're putting in cocaine. It just seems like to me this is outside of this uh, Research paper. Seems like someone's trying to kill us. Not us. Not I don't do heroin. <laughs> I've never done heroin in my life. Oh. Done like a bunch of Norcos and stuff like that. Those are great. I would highly suggest those if they're made from a doctor, if you're getting prescribed. Or if you bought some prescribed a long time ago and you still got them. Take those bad boys, man. Have a beer. Enjoy your night. But the stuff fall uh, on the streets killing people all the time. So this is kind of a bummer episode. I'm definitely going to go through and still talk about my week and stuff. But I'm not going to have a guest because I don't know. I mean, I'll be joking a little bit, but I don't really know how much of this is actually funny. You know, it's, uh, it, the joke is too close to everyone, I've ever, I, you probably listening, or people, you know, I know, so I don't really want to just be like cracking jokes the whole time on fentanyl and trying to make light about it. So why am I making fun of, you know, serial killers and gangs otherwise? I don't know, that stuff can kind of be fun, funny. This is not really funny. It's just kind of depressing. So, but we'll go on, what happened... In, in my last week, um, this one episode is another uh, Gray Livingston shout out to my boy. Really great! I love all of this stuff. Um, my week, well, I um, went to Florida. Went to Florida last week. Flew out early. Um, would highly. I'm a red eye guy. You know, I'd rather get somewhere early than be able to sleep. Then get there and my shit's all fucked up. Also, I find it easier to sleep at night. I'm I have a very hard time sleeping. It's not easy for me. I constantly wake up. I have bad shoulders, so if I can sleep through the night, on that normally works. So I left at like midnight. Um, did find this new thing. If you are in LA, check it out. The app is called Way. It's a it's it's, it does parking structures near airports anywhere you are. And uh, a lot of times right now, I don't know if you've been to the airport or tried to get parking. Shit's expensive as balls, dude. Like, it's, like, not even worth it. This Way app, I mean, I think I paid $12 a day. Not that bad. I'll take that any time. Especially because the Uber's right now. Like, 100 bucks to get there to Hollywood. So, I got there. Got there late. Um, did the Way thing. Got this um, parking structure. Took a bus pretty much automatically. I was, like, the only guy on the bus. They took me by myself. Took the bus there. Went Delta, got to say. You know, I've kind of always, you know... When you're at a starting out as a comedian, especially an opener, you're uh, pretty broke. So you're not going on Deltas or Uniteds. You know, you're sticking to the sticking the Spirits a lot of times, sticking to the um, Southwests. And so I really never knew a difference. I never knew Southwest was shitty until I started writing other ones. And it should, Southwest is barely, barely better than Spirit. So, you know, I was using all those things, but I've been going these Deltas now, now that I'm you know, Bert's been taking me places and stuff like that. It's just so much goddamn better. Holy shit. It's even like sleeping in it is easier somehow. I don't know how. I don't know if they're putting fentanyl in the air. <laughs> See, it's not, it's still not even that funny. It's kind of sad. Um, but I found it easier to sleep. So I went there, slept the whole night through, woke, woke up in the Atlanta airport. Man, that's a big airport. You never been, you got to take trains. Real big. Barely made my flight. Was walking there and, uh, saw so they had a Sean John shop. I don't know if you guys remember Sean John from the 2000s. It, it was like a terry cloth jumpsuit people would wear. And it's like, who the fuck is buying a Sean John? Like, they're on the go. And they're like, yo, before I fly into Albuquerque, I need to go get my Sean John jumpsuit. And maybe next I can go get some anchor blue jeans. <laughs> Why is... <laughs> who's buying anything from that? Maybe underwear. I would buy some. I'd wear some Sean John underwear. I feel like he'd have good underwear. So I get into Florida. Um, Where am I staying? So, okay. So how to explain this to people. At my level of stand-up, I'm like a low-end headliner. Okay. So I don't really have a huge draw. If you put me in your club, I'm not going to sell it out. So I get kind of the same pay as every kind of low guy gets. So. I'll headline a C club. C clubs go. A clubs are the comedy store, the Hollywood Improv, the Laugh Factory, the Comedy Cellar. Those are A clubs. Okay, those are ones where uh, if you're in there, you're doing well. Um, everyone wants to be in there. Doesn't matter who the comedian, unless you're like, you know, someone insanely famous like Kevin Hart or something. They don't really give a shit because wherever they go, there's just be a crowd. Um, but those are also good because you're going up with. A, it's a showcase club. They normally do showcase clubs in those two cities in Chicago, too, but Chicago's probably on the tier two one. Um, so it's like your name's not really selling it because you got a bunch of famous other people in there, so you're not ruining your ticket sales. Because a lot of times, you know, if you put a famous person on your show and you want them to sell it out and you're doing it in the main room, their name's selling it out. So when they do a local show with their own name at like the Hollywood Bowl, they're not going to get as many ticket sales because the people that came to your show. So that's why people like in big cities, famous people like showcase clubs. So those are the a clubs the B clubs are your improvs in every town your comedy works your uh, and some of them better like you know zany's comedy works uh, Punchline are a step above to me the improvs, but otherwise, you know improvs those all over the country Those are good, you know get big names, and then you got C clubs. That's like your local clubs I I headline C clubs because there's no pay even if every show is sold out. I'm still only getting the minimum so It's fun, you know, there's no pressure. I don't really give a fuck. People come, they don't, I'm getting the same amount of money. Um, First time playing this club, time, first time, first time uh, being in Florida. A couple things I got to say about Florida. A little weird, man. I mean, obviously, you know, not, this place is just like, apparently Fort Myers is like retired white people that weren't that rich. And that's the vibe I got on a lot of things I'll tell you about. First thing though, Florida kinda like if someone was playing the game Jumanji and then never finished the game, but just kept rolling. You know, they're like, Yeah, oh, what's this role? Uh alligators in my neighborhood? That's okay. It's Florida. What's <laughs> What's this room? What's this role? Giant bugs? I don't know if you know this, but Florida, they lock up their pools like You know on those videos when a death row inmate gets one hour a day and he's just locked in this cage? They're caging their pools. And I have no idea why. And they're all caged. Every pool's caged. You're like a normal house and then this fucking New York Rucker basketball court. (laughs) 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 Pool. I just feel like... uh, Bobito is going to be there being like, slammed in his face, jammed in his face, cannonball, walking wall. Oh, that's a deep cut. Rucker Park basketball. <laughs> Reference Bobito. Um, so I ask him, I ask, he says, as I ask him, I say, why to the audience? Um, first show Thursday, got in, good audience. They're very Caucasian, though. You know, this is the Cubans apparently have not. Immigrated their boats haven't come on to shore in Fort Myers or on Fort Myers. They could kind of see like maybe there's a guy on a boat You know Like he's not affiliated with any government organization, but he's got a gun and if he sees anyone on a boat smaller than a dinghy He's lighting them up because there's no there's there's a the least diverse place. I may have ever been Other than the area my hotel was which I'll tell you about that hotel later um, So they're caging in their pools and I go why are your pools caged? And they go, number one, to keep out bugs. And I'm like, how bugs (laughs) how big your bugs got to be that a chain league fence is keeping out? What do you got, flying Dobermans just flowing around? What's happening in the city? And then the next they go, uh, it's to keep out, uh, apparently apparently there was a pandemic of Florida kids jumping someone's fence, going into their pool, drowning and then someone's their parents could sue you for um, letting their retarded kid. <laughs> I mean, if your kid can, ju- if your kid, if your kid can jump a fence and then get into a pool and then not get out, maybe that maybe that kid's not meant for this world. It's gonna get, it's gonna get, <laughs> it's gonna get a lot harder. than getting out of a pool, you had a pandemic. You had, a, you had this many people that you have to lock up your pools. Y'all are getting mad that the government is making you wear masks. $2 for a pack of 1000 But your government's making you lock up your pools like they killed 6 coeds in Cincinnati. Doesn't make goddamn lick of sense, tell you what. Not a goddamn lick of sense. Uh, so then I got to the sh- first show good. Uh, the club, man, the C club, it's in like a strip club, a strip uh, mall, not a strip club. It's in a strip mall, pretty dead-ass strip mall. Florida also looks like it was submerged. <laughs> There's always like moss on roofs. It looks like, like you know when someone starts uh, taking things out of a quarry? There's just like moss on them. Bones. That's what that's what Florida looks like to me. A lot of bones, a lot of moss. <laughs> the bones are just the old people aimlessly wandering around. Um, So we get to that club. You know, light crowd, 35 40, but honestly, 40 people, club that seats about a buck 50, not that bad. I uh, had fun in my time. Next day was Friday. <sighs> what did I do? Oh, I walked around. I tried to go get some local seafood. Okay. So this woman at the front desk goes, I go, Is there any r- good restaurants around here? She goes, Oh, they're all so good. So I'm like, Oh, shit. You know, I'm in luck. Uh, then I look on my Yelp. There's no restaurant for like a mile and a half. And this is a, a bad area. Okay. It's not a good. Not a good area, so I'm like, I guess we'll just start walking, and maybe these magical restaurants will pop up. So I go to one called uh, Crab Trap, Yo Crab Trap. It was kind of more, it's kind of more like crabs and trap, like a dope house, right? So I start walking around. The really interesting things about Florida. Now I've been in California my whole life, so a lot of times I, 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 my point of view is only that, right? So in California, if you live in the ghetto, uh, you can tell because the lawns look like shit. Okay, they're dead. Uh, no one's mowing them. Looks terrible. In Florida, I don't know if Hank Hill's the <laughs> neighborhood association manager, but everyone, beautiful lawns. Okay. Also, another weird thing, they lock up their bodies of water. Now, imagine you put a lake in a park for some reason. You know, people are locking up bodies of water. Lake in a park, and then you have to put a chain link fence around it because whatever is in that can't come out i'd say maybe uh don't need to put in that body of water you need to lock up around children it's like you just put put a park in there and then you put just a pedophile in a cage (laughs) 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 so uh rough neighborhood I forgot where I was going. I, I might do that as a bit. I've been working on this floor a bit that luckily came together after I left. But so I see these things, you know, it's a little creepy, but everything looks pretty nice. You know, other than I can see that these are projects, you can see projects. What's a project? Uh, well, if you don't know what a project is, you're completely out of touch with reality. But what does a project look like? I would go a lot of people on lawn chairs, okay? A lot of people outside. I'm guessing that's an AC thing. Uh, everything looks the same in closed neighborhoods hard to get in hard to get out a lot of times so i'm walking around this place and uh you know also when you go in the hood less sidewalks you know i was just working on curbs and uh get to the crap trap it's closed doesn't look like it's been open for years i had to walk on the side of a highway went home ate uh spicy peanuts and drank a or two and then got picked up to go to the show so the interesting thing man I gotta say this about the comics there everyone was very nice a couple of them were pretty good you know the owner uh, Jamie Morgan uh, very funny guy man he was crushing it was hard to follow but it was very uh I mean he, t- <laughs> he ended on like 15 minutes of like little people bashing um so you know very Florida but it was very funny I mean worked out there he would be banned if he came out here another guy had a this guy drove me around the whole time. He, was, he called himself the Uber comic. Um, he had a fedora, white guy. He had a lot of fedoras every day, different different, different fedora. Um, found out he was like three years older than me. Thought he was 57 at the youngest. Um, but good for him. You know, Florida's doing him well. He was cool. Uh, he was doing the spots too. Another opener was wearing class ring from high school. A little weird, but he was a nice guy too. <laughs> but I'm trying to paint a picture. Uh, but the club was great, man, Well tell you one thing they got this pizza that oh uh, top five pizzas I've ever had in and no, I'll go maybe the best pizza I've ever had at a comedy club. It was incredible. It was literally like worth getting again uh, but I hung out there, that was fun, and then on the last day Saturday, two shows, one at six, one at nine or eight. This is why you don't have comedy shows early at, like six is because like a like a like a moth to a flame, it attracts very old. People. So now this show, early show, Saturday, sold out, they tell me. I say, God damn, I'm moving tickets in Florida, baby. I might need to move. No. Uh, I swear to God do you, no one in that room was younger than 55 years old. I'm not saying 55 is an old age. That's good age. I'm saying as the youngest person, you just, I'm not your cup of tea, okay? You know? That's fine. Um, I went up there. Uh, first thing, <laughs> I always picture like old people kind of being sweet and nice. These people, this is when I start saying they hate California, okay. Um, so I'm opening up, yeah, I know I go, oh, I'm from California. And then the guy goes, your governor's a crook. You know, this guy looks like goddamn Elmer Fudd yelling this at me. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, isn't your governor a pedophile? I was talking about Matt Gates, not their governor. But I think everyone just shut the fuck up after that one. And then I go, this is probably one of my favorite things. <laughs> I go, isn't the, isn't the real problem that these people at the top are making us fight each other for no fucking reason? Other than probably for them to get more money. And in the end, we're all just the same. Right? I expect standing ovation. Local newspaper comes in. Stephen Fury brings the com- the country together. This <laughs> This woman goes, Ugh, we're nothing alike. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> was not expecting that lady. I just kind of railed on her the rest of the show. It was good. I would give myself 5.5 out of 10. But I mean, 5.5 to me is better than like 97% of comedians, but I did not kill. Like I, like, I mean, another comedian going up there and doing an hour, I think, would have done far, far west. Not every comedian. There's a bunch of people that are very good, but I don't think this was a, uh, yeah, a great spot. Late show, fantastic. Bunch of younger people. Uh, not that young, though, but still way more fun. Um, After the end, enjoyed the club. I'll probably be going back. Um, it was a good time, man, you know. There's the flying. Oh, then I fly home. Okay. Then I fly home. Do another red eye. And I get to Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta's about four and a half hours away from L.A. I want to say this too. America. can we get a little smaller? A little too big, okay? A little too big. I'm flying to fucking Iowa, and it's going to take forever next week. So, lady comes, sits down next to me. There's an open spot. About to take off. She goes, I'm, I'm on the window. She's in the middle. She goes, ask the she doesn't ask me. Goes to the attendant. Hey, can my brother move up here? Bro. Okay. Number one, I've put this on my Instagram. Am I a bad guy? I went, oh, no. Like that, right? And she goes, wow, okay. But it's like, dog, we got an open seat in the middle here. And you're going to put a grown fucking man here? So now the rest of the time, I got to listen to you two goddamn simpletons talk. And then not even that. You got a grown man next to me. If you know anything, you're sharing armrests, okay? You want to go man, woman, man, woman. Or man, tiny person. Other person, tiny. You know what sizes. And Also, now I'm rubbing legs with this guy. You just ruined a four and a half hour trip. Now, is that selfish? I guess, but I think a lot of things are selfish. And I don't necessarily think that. I mean, I think what she did was selfish. She didn't ask me. But maybe I should just be a nice person. And let me tell you it backfired. What I'm about to say you might not want to listen to this might be a little too raw or not raw but uh maybe bigotry I don't know. Stupid? Ignorant? What I'm about to say. So, about to take off. I'm like great, fantastic. <laughs> it's not funny. I mean that what happened to me because of my being an asshole is what's funny to me. Um right before we're about to take off, Owen brings her uh severely handicapped son, like mentally handicapped like the kind where like he was blind, wasn't deaf. Um, and then would violently shake back and forth on the on the chair. And then, so she puts him down. <laughs> and he just violently shakes. Like back and forth. Rocks. Wow, wow. And like literally, dude, every five minutes would smack his fucking head on the back of the woman. in head. No, not five minutes, man. That's BS. That's bullshit on my part. I would say every hour would smack his head on the back of the woman in front of his chair. And so this guy's doing this little trip. Turns out, I mean, I don't, I've never been around a large, you know, a swatch, a swath, a swatch of handicapped people. So I don't really know us but he, when you would talk to him, and he'd snap out, not snap out of it, like it's a thing he's in, but you know, okay, whatever. He would, he would just talk. He'd be like, yeah, my name's uh, Alfredo, blah blah blah, all this kind of stuff. Anyways, eating, and the chick was being super nice to him, and I was trying to be nice to him, but it was, kind of, it was kind of like I was playing off her being nice to him, because she, she, when he was rocking and like kind of like moaning and. She was like hey man do you want anything from the Soda guy And then Bammy snaps out of it And starts talking to her. and I was like fuck I should have asked but I just didn't I didn't think a guy who was rocking like that And smacking his head Would would could get cognizant like that Once again selfish piece of shit on my part So essentially you know, I just had to now I said no to sit next to a guy because I've been slightly uncomfortable And I just had to sleep next to a guy who was rocking The whole time violently Moaning and farting quite a lot but, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't say his existence is my punishment. That's fucked up, but I felt punished. <laughs> I don't, okay, bad thing to say. I think you understand what I'm saying. He had just right enough uh, the same right to sit there as anyone else. I'm not saying he shouldn't have done that. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying if I would have been nice in the first place and let her brother sit there, then I... Probably wouldn't have had a less. I would have been more comfortable if I would have been a nice person, and that gentleman would have been able to probably sit in the back somewhere wherever he was. So, you know, be nice to people, man. I feel like I am normally a pretty nice guy, and I normally try to help people. But you know, coming home after Florida, I am tired. It's a red eye, like I said. I am trying to sleep through the night. This is a good flight because the just the, somehow the sides of the plane. I don't know if they fit your head better. They just fit better. Cause I'm, I'm a guy who needs to rest his head also got a new one I uh, got a new plug for you bring a sweatshirt on the plane okay and then fold the sweatshirt up long ways like thin like pull it on, and then roll it from the back and then put it in the hood bro it's a fucking perfect pillow it's fantastic so got home it was Jordan's birthday my girlfriend I uh, went to Universal Studios pretty interesting place I would suggest you do it one time there's not many there's not many rides okay There's six and two of them are kind of like rides what Universal does since it's a movie place They make you sit in like the kind of like you would a car not a car but kind of like you would a uh, roller coaster cart and Then they pick it and they sus- Suspend it in kind of like this giant orb and all the o- whole orb is lit up around you like a world So you're like following Harry Potter in this orb and they're like flipping you upside down and getting the g-forces, right? But you don't really go anywhere in most of the rides, but um it was pretty cool, man. I'm not. I was never a huge Harry Potter guy, you know. Like, there's like grown men wearing fucking like Harry Potter Slytherin like outfits in there. But it was cool to see it, you know. I probably read four of the books. Probably saw all of them. Maybe not the last two. It was weird watching like Hogwarts when everyone was like 29 years old. I'm like, what is this fucking continuation school? Why are they all there again? Um, that was a pretty trippy place. Kind of cool to see what they can kind of do, man. Uh, the the Harry Potter ride was fantastic. Honest to God, fantastic. Uh, but by far my favorite thing uh best ride Jurassic park one's kind of cool but I, when i was a kid they used to do this thing at the mall i don't know if you guys remember it. where like dinosaurs would come once a year and they looked real and they'd be like in the middle of the mall with some grass and every different little kind of like you know tea in the mall or every like you know thousand feet there'd be another cool dinosaur there those kind of just same dinosaurs um, and then i got soaked that kind of sucked the mummy ride was cool but, you know, the rides, It's I, I would rank it like this, Kay, if, if you're in California you want to do some stuff. Uh, Disneyland for children, Six Flags for adults, Universal's right in the middle. Best thing about Universal, hands down, though, is I am a huge Simpsons person. So they have a very tiny, um, I wouldn't say Springfield, but um, they got a little town there. They got the Comic Guy bookstore, not open. They got the Quickie Mart. Quickie Mart, outside, fantastic. Inside, Trash. It's just kind of a merch place. It's like, yo, set this up like the Quickie Mart. You know, they had a squishy machine, but you had to get the squishy from only one place. Um, but if you do go, I would suggest the fast pass. Okay, you got to pay double. It's about a buck fifty ticket. Normal tickets is about seventy five, eighty. But you cut the line. I'm telling you, you cut forty five minutes standing in line. Okay. So, if your time isn't worth an extra seventy five dollars to watch, to sit. To not sit forty five minutes for six different rides, so to me seventy five dollars. What six rides forty five minutes? It's about four hours somewhere around there. I don't know. I don't care. I pay seven five dollars not to wait for four hours. Yeah, I'm doing that every time. So you do that. You cut to the line, and I'm talking. I was in the I was in the front seat of every ride. So you cut to the front end of the front. So that was cool. And then I went to Mo's. Moe's was by far the best thing at the whole park. Probably because it's a bar. Probably because I'm an alcoholic probably because I love the Simpsons and inside was pretty good man that the pool table they have the lovetron the automatic thing that with the with the uh little grip and it tells you what kind of lover you are they have a, a barney a little short I would say that man was probably I mean, he's hunched over you know barney he's drunk but man couldn't have been more than 510 a little embarrassing for him and then they had beers man they had some uh they had some duffs pretty cool I got this cup i will show it to you on the YouTubes right it's just says Duff, Duff-tober, Dufftoberfest, Universal Studios. It's a little, you know, hard to find that one. The other one just said Duff. I'm like, you get this bitch at a fucking hot topic. Nah, uh dog, not for me. But uh, so they have three Duffs. They have Duff, Duff Light, and Duff Amber, and they're all actually brewed. I tried to find, you know, like that maybe they just slapped it on a Bud Light or something like that. But no, they're all privately brewed in small batches for them to be selling. And I got to say, Duff was fantastic. You know, $20 beer. Sort of $20 beer? No, I don't know if the world uh, has a $20 beer that I, I would want to pay for. But um, good stuff, man. It was a good beer. I would go a little Heineken, a little darker than Heineken, a little darker than I thought it was going to be. It's kind of like a Modelo Negra color, but the it was good, man. For a lager, it was really good. It was just fucking cool to be in there drinking a beer. Uh, they had a Krusty Burger next door. Um didn't go. Would have gone because I went to In and Out before. It's funny, you know, I just want to spend all this money on shitty stuff. It's like, oh, just because it says Krusty Burger. But, you know, man, this shit was tight. I always saw that when I was a kid. It was cool. So the Land was pretty cool. I did forgot to say about Harry Potter. I bought one of those butter beers. Uh, pretty good. I would I would, I would, would tell you it tastes like a, a root beer float cream soda right in the middle of those. It's pretty fucking fantastic, but it's like $15 for a mug of it, and it's like, man, you know, it ain't that good, but is it worth trying once? Yeah, you know, it was worth trying once, all of it was worth trying once, because now every time we're like, oh, I know what Duff tastes like, oh, Butterberry, yeah, I had that bitch, so that was pretty fun, I think Jordan had a great birthday, and then I bought her, I secretly bought her a, a subwoofer for a car, so they come up with these new, it's a Rockford Fosgate, it's a very nice one, it's called the Punch Six, it's not that nice, you know, I used to put, I had two 12s in my old Mercedes growing up. Uh, Nothing was slap pretty hard, but this one so I, you, you, it's small enough about a Pack of paper like two textbooks on top of each other. It's about that So you, if you got like a little bit older car You can slip it under the driver's seat and then it just rocks from the driver's seat We put it right bef- behind it and it slaps man. It's pretty fun. She was very excited I think she likes it a lot. I was you know What am I gonna do just a fancy purse or I think this is pretty cool She loves music and it'll be fun for us to use Other than that, the show's been good. Did my main room spot on Thursday yesterday. I think I really did good. Got these new materials working out. Citizen on Wednesday was fun. Bear City still dipping a little bit, but it was huge last week before that. Um, Shows I got coming up tonight on the 8th. You won't even hear this, but I'm going to be in Temecula on Saturday. I'm at the OR, original room, doing a private party right before. And then next week on the 13th, I'm starting the first leg of the Burt Tour. Going from the 12th to the 31st. We're going to start in Cedar Rapids, Iowa for two days. Don't know what to do there. Don't know what that is. But okay. On the 15th, we're going to Green Bay at the Risch Center. Don't know what that is. I mean, I know what Green Bay is. I heard large people. That's what people said to me. But my my friend's kind of small, so I don't know if he just doesn't know. Then Peoria, Illinois at the Peoria Civic Theater. Apparently, that's right outside of Chicago. Once again, no idea about any of these people, places, never sure they even existed. Then we're doing Sioux City, Iowa at the Orpheum. Sioux City, sounds kind of westerny. that'll be fun. Then we're back in Florida, baby, Jumanji, open the box, you know, first time I went last week, Robin Williams. This week, it's the Rockin' Jack Black, baby. I'm um, going to Tampa, Florida for two days at the Carol Morsani Hall, then Orlando for two days at the Ro- Hard Rock Live. Then 24th, we're going to Tallahassee. I think we're going to a fucking game, a Florida State game. That'll be sick. 28th, we're going to Jacksonville. We got a little break in there. I heard we might go to Key West to go party or the Bahamas. How lucky am I in my life? I mean, also very good at my job. And it's not like my job was always this fun a long time ago. I mean, for a long time, I'm doing open mics in Sacramento for no money, bombing my dick off. No one likes me. Um... 20 20 or 10 29 21 we're going to hollywood florida at the hard rock live at Seminole hard rock just i would suggest you guys look up this venue um it is at a casino and it is a giant the whole venue the building is a purple remember like the old hard rock live is kind of that spinning guitar out front this motherfucker is a building in purple neon it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my life so check that out and last but not least the prodigal son returns fort myers bitches i'm back this time at the barber b man performing arts halls uh so any suggestions i got um if you enjoy rap music my favorite album that has come out in a very long time was little wayne and rich the kids trust fund babies it's a whole album honestly i thought the whole album slapped especially if you're a fan of little wayne it great. So I'll probably try and finish this episode tonight or I'll get it out by tomorrow or Sunday, whatever. I uh, love you guys. This episode is about fentanyl. It's a little bit of a bummer. It's going to be a lot of information, but, you know, you could be better for it. You will be better for it. And hopefully the world will get better. Not because of this dumb podcast, but who's ever putting this shit in drugs. All right. Love you guys. Bye. And hey, we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the World on Drugs podcast. That was obviously just an ad. Or if this is on YouTube. Probably just the episode. We're going to jump straight into the timeline. This episode is all about fentanyl. Starting in August 1957, Dr. Paul Janssen of the Janssen Company of beers bell synthesized phenophedrine for the first time. When created, it was 25 times stronger than morphine, making it the most potent opiate in the world at that time. All I got to say, I'll take two. Pass them on over. Dr. Paul, let's party. December 1960. A new opiate to synthesize using phenyphedrin. This one is called fentanyl. There he is. We've missed him. Uh, we kind of hate him, but people that are very sick might like him a lot. It's interesting to know that this jug is, you know, seems like it's 10 years old, the way, it's killing everybody in the in fucking in the drug scene. But uh, it's 60 years old, isn't that amazing? It was 10 times more potent than phenyphedrin and 100 to 200 times more potent, potent than morphine. It was also the most lipid soluble opioid ever created meaning it could be um, absorbed faster and had the fastest onset of action in other words, that bitch hit a lot of times, a lot of drugs will take longer and longer to break down your system and it takes longer to break down your body's not uh, taking in most of it but if you can push most through the smallest amount of time that's when uh, the drug is good and you know, like, is it bad for people taking fake uh, morphine pills and fake oxys on the street yes, but is it good for a cancer patient that feels like he's dying Yeah, so that's why the shit is like that. 1963, because of its potency, fentanyl was used in combination with other sedatives and hypnotics to successfully produce a pre-anesthesia intravenous cocktail that meant only a small amount of nitrous oxide was necessary to put the patient under. Prior to this, anesthesia could only be achieved through the use of high amounts of potent nitrous oxide gas. A lot of things can go bad with that. Late 1960s, anesthesiologist Jorge De Castro developed stress-free anesthesia. He discovered that large doses of fentanyl alone could, introduce, could induce anesthesia without the side effects of using nitrous oxide. 1968, the FDA approves the use of fentanyl in the United States, but clinicians could only get it pre-mixed in combinations with droperidol in a ratio of 50 to 1. It took years to get the drug approved because the FDA viewed it as too potent. Yeah, yeah. you might have got that one right there, FDA. My guy Fitta. Fitta with the fat ass. 1980. So we jumped about, shit, 20 years since the uh, introduction of fentanyl. Research began on a potent use of carfentanil, an ultra-potent cousin of fentanyl, as an immobilizing agent on wild animals. The research took place in Utah and concluded that carfentanil was, in fact, the ideal immobilizing drug and could be used in a dart delivery system. It could rapidly and safely immobilize wild elk, moose, and even elephants. Bro, just imagine you're like just hopping along the forest and bam, you're drooling, chasing the white dragon. No idea what's going on. I could use this in in my everyday life. You know, guy at the job bothering me, asleep. Homeless man calling me a pedophile for no reason, night-night. My girlfriend, for any minor inconvenience, (laughs) welcome to bedtime, Jordan. The U.S. government took an interest in these tests and began to consider carfentanil as an anti-terrorist agent the government issued a number of contracts in 1992 to study carfentanil and other potent opiates for their immobilization potential and the actual results of these tests are not uh, available to public but they are unpublished but were provided to many u.s government agencies the final stage involved sedating monkeys using aerosol carfentanil so in other words uh most likely terrorists are getting drunks with these. <laughs> There's a high likely that uh, some terrorists just got hit in the neck with one of these fucking things and they brought them. And they brought them on in. 1984. orolette a child-friendly sweetened red lollipop that contained fentanyl, was presented to the Jansen company as a potential product. I mean, you know, get it to the streets. Candies. I mean, you know, your kids got fucking cancer or something. I guess it's important, but. This was actually a large breakthrough, breakthrough for fentanyl. The idea for Oralette began as a test involving monkeys in sugar cubes infused with fentanyl. When it was discovered that fentanyl could be successfully ingested orally, researchers considered using it in people, specifically as a medicine to ease stress and anxiety before surgery. Move over Skittles, Oralette, the new candy for kids. Is your little Tommy a little too rambunctious? Is baby Isabel ready for a big old bedtime? Let me introduce you to Oralette, the new candy for kids. Hey, is that kid's is that kid sleeping? Or is he hooked on smack? The mid-1980s. Drug delivery companies Alza and Anesta began experimenting with using fentanyl in transdermal skin patches and oral transmusical lozenges. So essentially, Like a, uh, essentially like um, a patch, like a smoker uses. So the fentanyl would be slowly releasing your system. And the other one is a lozenge, kind of like the lollipops for kids. They were eventually successful in creating a patch containing fentanyl, and this patch was successful in treating opioid-tolerant patients with cancer-induced chronic pain. I've seen people do this, not in person, but they will uh, boil the patches. Boil the patches, get all the stuff out of it, take the patches out, then they, like, eat it. And then they... uh, Either drink the, uh, what's left of the water or they boil the water till there's nothing left and then they scrape the pan. So, you know, if you're doing that, um, probably not doing well. 1993 Orlet achieves regulatory approval as a pre medication before surgery and painful procedures in children and adults. Why not a commercial se- success? It proved that orally ingested fentanyl was effective at treating pain, it was, was faster than. Any other opiate product at that time. You know, it's like, I keep talking about how it's a bad thing and everything, but it, until it hits the street and people are dying in these fucking fake drugs, you know, this stuff is needed for some people that are dying. 1998, the FDA approves Actique for use in opioid-tolerant cancer patients with severe breakthrough pain. It was another lollipop form of fentanyl delivery, but stronger than Oralet and geared towards adults. You know, because it's like, I like candy too. I like opiates. Put them together. Shout out to uh, Carl's Jr. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Carl's Jr. is now doing uh, toys for adults, like a little Happy Meal toy, but it's for devo- adults, which, uh, piqued my interest. I will definitely be getting a famous star with one of their little toys. Why? Because I'm a man child. Actique was a significant commercial success in the last year of its patent, 2006. It sold more than $625 million worth of units. Interesting. I mean, it is interesting that they have to create, I mean, okay, so pretty much it seems like to me at this point, they're pumping society full of opiates. And then even when people are dying and they've been pumped full of opiates so long, the normal opiates that they needed to keep themselves not feeling the pain aren't strong enough. So then they're cr- creating stronger and stronger opiates. 2006, pharmaceutical company Cephalon purchased a technology called orvescent drug delivery. This led to the first fentanyl tablets. So let's get a little synopsis. We just did about 46 years on fentanyl. The earliest recorded use of opiates date back to 3400 BC when poppies were being cultivated in lower Mesopotamia. The Sumerians called the poppy uh, Hulgil, H U L G I L, which translated joy plant. And for over 5,000 years, opium was the most potent form of pain relief drugs. It's probably a fun time, you know, back then. You don't really know what's going to happen with this stuff. You're probably only smoking uh, opium tar, which, you know, still bad for you, but you're not introducing any slamming China white that you got off a fucking street corner. So probably a pretty fun time. In 1805, pharmacist Frederick Wilhelm Serturner, S-E-R-T-U-R. N-E-R, was able to synthesize morphine from opium and for a hundred years that the morphine was the main opiate used worldwide to treat pain. It was also used as a pre-anesthetic medication reducing the time and amount of anesthetic required. That's a lot of these funny th- drugs man is if you really go back to it people are just trying to synthesize get a patent on something that's already readily available you know like uh, and that's kind of where it goes bad man Remember when they're doing that with weed for so long you get these shitty THC pills that didn't do anything that you needed to do I remember him. I got a couple of those bad boys from the streets. The world wars in the early 20th century meant that there was a new need for faster acting, more powerful opiates. Dr. Paul Jansen was the man to answer the call. and In 1957, he invented a new drug called phenolpherin. It was the most powerful opiate in the world when produced, and more importantly, three years after, it was synthesized to make fentanyl. Who knew fentanyl was this old? is not that blow your mind? Wow. Fentanyl was 10 times more important than phenofedrine had been 100 to 200 times more important than morphine. It also had the fastest onset of action and was rated the highest on the therapeutic index. Like other opioids, fentanyl elicits reactions from the central nervous system such as fatigue, sedation, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, respiratory uh, depression, bradycardia, which is a slow heart rate, and unconscious anesthesia And higher doses. While these symptoms are dangerous on their own, they are pretty useful in medicine. By 1963, fentanyl was being used as an intravenous analgesic in numerous European countries, and eventually a drug combination with fentanyl and droperdol was successful in inducing anesthesia without high amounts of potent anesthetics. After this success, fentanyl was considered uh, for the possibility of inducing stress-free anesthesia. Without opiate premedications, entering deep anesthesia required higher amounts of nitrous oxide gas, and ran the risk of affecting someone's lungs and heart. Undergoing surgery when anesthesiized by nitrous also leaves the body with a high amount of stress response hormones. By the mid-70s, a new technique arose called analgesic anesthesia. This involved giving a patient a high dose of intravenous phenol to induce anesthesia, and it had a potential to again revolutionize the industry. It was simple required only one drug, was easy to master, blocked stress hormones both during and after surgery, and produced minimal cardiovascular changes and side effects. God damn, medicine is so buckwild, right? Imagine that, you know, you're back in the day you're you're going under surgery, and you know, the guy's knowledge of medicine isn't as good as it is now, so you could die from that. Their surgical tools, not as good as they're now, so you could die from that. And also the stuff they're putting you under not as good as now and you could die to that. It's like, well maybe, maybe that's why no one got their knees surgery. <laughs> Maybe I'll just limp rather than have an old fucking old two-tooth, old two-tooth Joe working on my knee. Initially, fentanyl was met with staunch opposition in the United States, one of the main arguments against it being that it was simply too powerful, meaning patients would require intubation during surgery. Nowadays, intubation is an essential component of many operations in the U.S., and in any hospital, a second argument at the time was that its potency could lead to abuse problems by Paul Jansen. The inventor responded to that by laughing and saying fentanyl was too powerful for abuse. It was eventually approved by the FDA, but only as a premixed solution 50 to 1 for hurdol to fentanyl. So essentially, the guy was like, this stuff's too good to abuse. I'm guessing his argument was it's so strong that if you take it once, you're probably just going to die. But as we all know from opiate addicts, uh, that little tolerance you got there, buddy, keeps going up. And a lot of times, you know, that's the reason your friend dies. That's the reason your cousin dies. That's where your sibling dies. Because, you know, they probably got clean. These are the people I know. Got clean. Maybe month, two months. Stuff got out of their system. They go back. They're like, yo, I'm going to go double dip. I'm going to go double dip with these uh, little H pens, little H prick. And then they do what they did before. So they're but tolerance isn't nearly as high. If you've ever taken any form of opiate, I've never done anything intravenously, um, other than like at a doctor or something. But uh, if you take one, I mean, if you get if you get your uh, prescription, you know, tonsils out, uh, broke your foot, whatever the fuck it is, and you do these, you know, it's by the first one to the last one, you're not really hitting it anymore. You're not getting the kind of funny woozy stuff like that. And that's what happens. That's why a lot of people fucking die. It's a bummer. Or actually, the new stuff with this new fentanyl is they're just kind of sprinkling too much in. And it's killing people. In the 1980s, people began searching for other f- methods of using fentanyl. And the first new case to rise was the Orlet lollipop. It was aimed at children. And because of fentanyl's sedative purpose, it was perfect pre-surgery drug. The new iteration of the lollipop was Actique, A-C-T-I-Q, which came out in 1998. It served as a as-needed fentanyl delivery system for cancer patients who experience breakthrough pain. And it was a game changer, to put it lightly. Breakthrough pain had been a symptom of cancer for as long as cancer had been around, called such because it breaks through standard opiate pain management for patients at home. Before Actique, there was no medicine that could quickly and effectively effectively eliminate this breakthrough pain. Now, as soon as patients began to feel breakthrough pain, they can rub the lollipop on their gums, which allowed them to self-dose with fentanyl in a safe, manageable levels. It drastically proved the quality of life for cancer patients, and this success led to more research into how fentanyl could be used by the public safely. God damn. You know, they say lollipop. You're thinking that you suck on one fucking, one little jumbo chump boy, and you're going to get there. Nah, dude. This thing, you just rub it on your gums. It's more of a fentanyl breast strip, really, which I'm guessing they're going to come out with. In the 1990s and 2000s, pharmacists developed a skin patch, an under-tongue tablet, an oral pill, and a snortable mist that could be taken by patients to safely treat their pain. Snortable mist? Did someone just say snortable mist? While well, all success at this time, the benefits were mired by the rising epidemic of opioid abuse and overdose deaths. Um, so that was a timeline of of it being used for good, okay. Did about all the way to, I think, 2006, still 14, 16 years ago. Now we're going to do the same exact timeline, but following the abuse and misuse, death, and the foreboding of uh, what's to come with fentanyl and other opiates. December 1979 Two Californians die after using China White, also known as Persian heroin and gasoline dope. China White as a fentanyl analog, three methyl fentanyl and was being marketed on the street as a real powerful heroin so that's something i didn't know so the china white is just people using fentanyl mixing it in with some stuff and selling it as heroin so that could have been why when you saw pulp fiction when uh she rails that and just immediately starts od'ing that could be it you know Of course, I've never railed heroin either. Maybe you shouldn't rail that either. You shouldn't rail any of these drugs. I wouldn't suggest using any of the drugs. This whole thing's going to show why you shouldn't, especially the way fentanyl is now creeping into almost every type of drug. Except weed and mushrooms. 1984. The number of fentanyl-related deaths in California hits 50 for the first time. I wish it was still like that. And the FDA responds by breaking up a drug ring in Los Angeles. The following year, fentanyl-related deaths in California were only 18, and there was just one the year earlier. In 1984 in Pittsburgh, 18 people died and 60 other o- overdose from China White being sold by dealers who hadn't checked its potency. You know, because people, I mean, a good God, what is that, 84? So 40 fucking years this thing's been doing this to us. Dealers haven't gotten it right. But the problem is with opiates, okay, so if you're if you're selling heroin. Like I said, right, your, your tolerance goes up. So if you're a fucking dope head, you've got a very, very dope head is a person who lives on the streets smacking heroin all the time, doesn't give a fuck about anyone, doesn't give a fuck about anything, just wants to do heroin, steal things, and feed their heroin addiction. So that guy, when he, when there's a guy selling heroin and someone ODs from it, if you're a heroin addict, you know this guy potentially has very good stuff. So it works for their business, whereas in cocaine when someone dies, so no, no, you, you shouldn't really ever OD from cocaine. I'm not saying you can't, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. You're gonna have to do a lot. You're gonna have to a lot of money, very pure, or it's gonna have just a small amount of fentanyl in it. You do it one time, it dies. But so when 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 someone's selling heroin and you and, and they and they have a few customers die of an OD, everyone else in the scene who's like, well, I'm I've been doing this for 25 years. I can take anything. I want more bank for my buck. These homeless. Smackheads are just people that are going to be homeless. Go to this dealer, but when you do it from cocaine, it doesn't really work, so which is just... really the reason I don't understand why they're sick putting into other drugs. December 1988 Over the last two months, 18 people in Pennsylvania die of fentanyl overdoses related to China White. Authorities arrest Thomas L. Schaefer's, a research chemist, for suspected involvement in creating and distributing the drug. 1996, Purdue Pharma releases the infamous Oxycontin, targeted at non-cancer patients with chronic pains. In the next two years, they spend $210 million on marketing the drug. Holy shit. And look what happens to us, right? So if you got a company pushing in well, almost a quarter of a billion dollars in the fucking 90s, dog. You know how much that would be now? Into the drug. And look, let's, look, let's look what happens in the next five years. 1997 to 2002. Morphine prescriptions increased by 73%. Hydromorphone, 96. Fentanyl prescriptions increased by 226. And oxycodone prescriptions increase increased by 402%. So within five years, if, if you had some money in the pill game, you were making some real fucking money. April 2005. Hundreds of fentanyl-related overdose happened in Chicago. Patients who recovered said that they had been given free heroin in orange and pink plastic bags by new dealers trying to attract more customers. Like I said, when you're doing it with selling heroin, people dying because it's too well people ODing. Okay, one, if you OD, you don't always die as long as people around there. Two, um, I mean, but normally if you're doing heroin, I'm guessing you're doing it by yourself. I don't know if you'd go to a party and not out in front of everyone. Uh, it's kind of a creepy thing to observe. Uh... So this guy, it's like it's like if you learn that like McDonald's, like every every you just got free free fries with everything. Everyone's like, dude, I gotta go to this McDonald's, right? You're getting free stuff. May 2006, Authority shut down a fentanyl manufacturing operation in Toluca, Mexico, which was moderately effective at reducing the number of fentanyl-related deaths that year. Wow. So the cartel, all the way in two thousand six, no, to start manufacturing fentanyl. And like I said, why? Are they manufacturing fentanyl because it's it's more potent? It's smaller, so it's easier to ship. You know, if you need, you know, if a hundred thousand dollars worth of heroin is a kilo, um, but a hundred thousand dollars worth of fentanyl is the size of, you know, two fingers. And then you mix that and you put it in your fake heroin, and still people feel it's, it's effects. You can understand why they're doing it. April 2006, a cluster of overdoses in Camden, New Jersey, causes federal officials to become notified of the fentanyl problem. March 2007, the FDA releases its first report detailing the national tally of fentanyl-related deaths. Between April 2005 and the release of the report, the death from fentanyl alone was 1,013. Um, The number of people that died from influenza, the flu that year, 200. Just give you a little thing there. Shit's popping. So, I mean, good God, what is it? We're at 1,000 in 2015. And before that, we were at 1984. So 30 years later, we were around one person a year to 18 a year. No, not even 30. That's 23 years. Jesus Christ. And, and, and whose fault is it? Probably the guys putting $215 million into OxyContin because people get on the OxyContin and that's not strong enough. Then you go to the other stuff. Then you go to the higher stuff. Then you get to that fentanyl finally. And then they pull it from you. And then you got to start going to the street and you're looking for something that's going to be the same amount of uh, buzz and then you fucking die. 2010 to 2012, heroin-related deaths rapidly increase off of 28 states. In some places, over five 300% with men aging 24 to 35, being at a high risk for fatal overdoses. 2010 to 2012, heroin-related deaths rapidly increased over 28 states. In some places, over 300% with men aged 24 to 34 being at the highest risk for fatal overdoses. This was known as the second wave of overdose kills. 300%, that's like coin numbers right there for all my crypto kings out there. 2013 to 2014, so this one's a year, the other one was two. The third wave of overdoses hit the number of drugs obtained by law enforcement that tested positive for fentanyl increased to 426% over the last year's and opioid involved overdose deaths increased by 79 from a year ago the increase was not correlated with I- an increase in fentanyl prescriptions meaning it was illicitly manufactured fentanyl to blame well it's never the it's never the company's fault right it's not those guys fault but i would agree it's probably the guys in mexico making it Synopsis, abuse, misuse, death, and foreboding. rise as fentanyl as the deadly drug we know today. Largely could have been prevented if it was handled better in the 1990s and 2000s. Deaths first started appearing in the United States a few years after fentanyl's approval in 1972. And as more ways of administrating the drug became more readily available within the next two to three de- decades, slowly more fentanyl-related deaths have occurred. The first documented deaths were caused by China White, an infamous fentanyl analog that comes back into the story 30 years down the line. Between 1980 and 1988, 115 people died from China White-related overdose and deaths. The majority of those were in California. Whoop, whoop, we party hard, baby! But there was a brief time when Pittsburgh was feeling the effects of the powerful new drug. The Pittsburgh police chief was quoted as saying, Our information from the street is that they had marketed it as a real, powerful heroin. The dealers had no idea of its potency. Three granules are enough for one overdose. We consider it the most powerful drug known on the streets. Once again, read this, folks. Read this again. Three granules are enough for one overdose. So essentially, three, per, three bottoms of a pen. Pen to a grain of ice. Or we're, we'll kill you. And now you can understand why people die from it so much. Unfortunately, it seems like most of these deaths happened because there was a sort of public guinea pig thing going on with the drug uh, dealers and drug industry. The head of the Pittsburgh office of the DEA said that he believed that drug dealers sold varying amounts of China white mixed in with regular cocaine and heroin, experimenting with how much they needed to get a good dose. Now, they keep saying dealers. I don't think. I think it's middlemen to the guys up top because I don't know. I've known a fair amount of drug dealers in my lifetime. I don't know anyone that's ever got a connect for fentanyl, so you got to be closer to the manufacturing uh, point to really start doing it. Nowadays, you can order it from the Internet, but back then, I don't think so. This led to a new age in America, one characterized by the opiophobia. That's a fucking sick uh, metal band. Hand-in-hand, hand, tied to the war on drugs, President Reagan urged Americans to join a crusade not to tolerate drugs by anyone, anytime, place fentanyl included but the pendulum swings as it does and people soon recognize that there was a dire need for pain management in the 90s or or what they noticed was that uh, there's a way to get people hooked on legal uh addictive drugs like legal opiates and that they would have them hooked on them for the rest of their lives and they can make a shit ton of money or or there's just pain pain management out there Either yeah, are either yeah, are if there's just pain management why are you paying quarter of a billion dollars in the 90s i don't know i'm probably right though in the 90s, there was a significant increase in the use of opioids to treat all kinds of pains, and eventually, time-release opiates hit the market. They were advertised as non-addictive because of their delayed formula, but people quickly realized that they could be crushed and snorted for a fast high. That's true. Um, I remember, I've done a few, op- I've done a few Oxycontins. I never, I did an 80 one time. I did a quarter of an 80, and then I just threw up everywhere. So wasn't really for me but i do remember these that the delayed formula you could work they also tried to do this thing and then they tried to make them where they were like okay okay we're not going to get rid of the drug and make it so easy to get it but we're going to make it so you can't smash it so what they did is they put like a little water bead in the middle of the pill i don't know how it works it's like a gel and so when you smash it the pill just kind of gooped up and you couldn't do that but then what everyone started doing was they would bake the pills so if you bake them Certain degrees didn't break the pill. The water would evaporate in the middle, and then you could smash it up and rail again. So you know, just for some look into the old drug addict stuff. I mean, I was never railing oxycons. I had, I've had a few in my life, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a guy who uh, just ran headfirst in them. I did. I, I went through a time where I, I dabbled in the um, selling of uh, Norco's for like 10 years. Enter Purdue Pharma <laughs> and OxyCon. I never deal with so There's... Friends, I would take a couple every month. The pharmaceutical company spent hundreds of millions of dollars marketing its time-release opioids across America. And if you tried, you could draw a direct line between the choice and tens of thousands of overdoses every year. Pardue Pharma and Oxycontin essentially birthed the modern opiate crisis in America, and by 2005, fentanyl was killing people. A few cases of fentanyl-related overdose popped up in various cities, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Camden, New Jersey, and it prompted the FDA to look into the drug. Apparently not hard enough investigation that ensued could be called a flop, to put it very kindly. And what is another frustrating example of how America deals with drugs? Health officials working for the FDA were reluctant to spend time and energy investigating deaths related to illicit drugs. Yeah, or they were getting paid off by one of those, uh, you know, I don't know, Purdue farmer pumping in a quarter of a billy. You don't think these guys got a little kickback? Get up, fuck out of here. When the executive director of New Jersey's Poison Control Center questioned public health officials about the investigation, the answer he got was, drug abuse is a dangerous habit. And drug abusers know it's dangerous habit. So why are we making a big deal about it? Um, I'll say one, because you made them drug addicts, some of them. Some of them, you put these guys on a heavy amount of opiates because you were getting kickbacks to do it, and even kickbacks as doctors. And then when you said... Well, actually, you guys let them do it for a very long time, and then they get more and more, and they get higher and higher and higher doses, and then one day uh, you guys finally decide these things are bad, and you take them away. You make them harder to give, and then people are fucking dope fiends, so then they gotta go somewhere to get stuff, Then they go to the streets, Then they start doing heroin, and then they get caught up with that bullshit fentanyl heroin, and they die. I blame you, Purdue. Purdue Pharma. And I believe probably some of these people had very terrible childhoods, but some of them didn't, man. I've lost a large amount of, I'll go 10, 12 people I've known, OD, whether it was from fentanyl or um, or just, you know, drugs in general. A few years after the report, there was a large spike in the number of heroin overdoses deaths in the country, which came to be called the second wave of overdose deaths. A few years after that, there was a spike in deaths related to synthetically produced opioids, bada bing, fentanyl, the third wave. Between 1999 and 2011, the rate of opiate-related deaths quadrupled and 12 million Americans reported taking prescription pain medication for non-medical use just to get high. I mean, if you are someone who can control themselves and you don't have a history of drug abuse in your family, whether it you, if you got a couple of those bad boys in there, take them. Not a bunch, take one. It's pretty fun. You can see why people get a joke. I mean, yeah, you, know, you get to sleep, you get to chill out. It's free, cause it's coming from your house. Yeah, pretty fun time. Okay, but you know, don't take a bunch. But they, but they, I get, I get the draw. You know, I, I've tried almost everything. I get the draw about a lot of it. But you know, you just gotta have, uh, you gotta have uh, restraint, man. And you know, stuff's fun, but other things in the world are fun. So it's like, are you getting addicted to something or you run away from things? Death related to medically produced phenol and its analogs remain relatively low around this time. But that does not account for the synthesized in cladestine laboratories. A number of these illegal laboratories have been producing and selling phenol since nineteen seventy nine, and the increasing number of percentages of phenol overdose deaths were attributed to illicit versions produced by the labs. So I mean what? Is it do I think, uh, you know, was that fucking Paul Jansen or whatever, that guy selling fentanyl to to drug dealers to put in their drugs? No. I'm. Um, do I think, well, it was a lot of China was doing it. They didn't really give a fuck who they sold to, so then they would sell fentanyl to uh, drug manufacturers here like illicit ones. But then, uh, you know, Ch- Mexico started making their own. They're putting it in their shit. I'm guessing it's a little bit more of them. All right, now we're going to go on the timeline of the Brandon Hubbard store. We're now... Pretty much gave you a decent timeline of what happened and where this came from, and now we're gonna give you some of these stories, okay? Gonna give you stories about some stuff that's fucking going on in the world, allow us to kind of understand. You know, I don't know. Try to understand what's killing our friends, what's killing our favorite celebrities, what's killing these people. I'm not saying I got any fucking reason why it's happening, but you know. I'd rather, you know, if I knew someone was coming to my little town and blowing down, blowing down buildings and, and killing people, I'd rather know it was a fucking werewolf and not a goddamn mystery that I've never heard of. So that's what this is all about. 2013, the Brandon Hubbard story. DEA agent Mike Bwemi is in West Palm Beach, Florida, investigating Molly. His ambition was to find the true sources of the drug, and after posing as a buyer and potential distributor online, he came into contact with a Chinese saleswoman that went by Li Li. A little too on the nose, you know. Sounds a little fake. From her, Bwemi learned of fentanyl, which was much less of a priority than other street drugs. He traced the distribution line back to a man named Jason Barry, based in Canada. Barry was in prison at the time, but his co-conspirators responded to the DE agent and allowed him to purchase fentanyl. Good God, Jason's got to get out of there like, why are you talking to random people on the fucking internet when I'm in jail? You dumb bitch. You just did it with a DE agent. This directed Wemming to a company called Xeron Biotech, a food additive manufacturer based in where? Shanghai. Told you motherfuckers it was China. I don't know why y'all playing with me. You act like I don't co- kind of co-write these things. Mainly just the jokes. I got a couple buddies, a couple producers, like my mate, Gray. Livingston and I kind of edited stuff like that but yes Shanghai that was responsible for producing a majority of the fentanyl that Barry was moving into the United States when we wanted to prosecute the company but he was unable to draw an infutable line between overdose victims and the Chinese source and therefore couldn't yeah you think Chinese people don't know that you think the Chinese government ain't involved with this fucking thing they are so then in January 2015, a young man named Bailey Hinky died of a fentanyl overdose in Grand Forks, North Dakota. God damn, could you who would have guessed that fentanyl could make its way all the way to North Dakota? The sun hasn't even made it to North Dakota. This death brought Officer Buemi to North Dakota, hoping he could use Bailey's death to find the source of the fentanyl. After questioning Bailey's friends, he was given login information for evolution a dark web marketplace. The fentanyl that killed Bailey Henke was purchased from PDX Black, later determined to be Brandon Corday Hubbard, who lives in Portland. Oh, man. You know, there's a big deal. I Okay, I sold Norco's, but those aren't really killing people. You gotta take a ton of them. They're probably the talent would kill you before those. Ones. But man, when you start sending stuff like this, man, if you're wholesaling fentanyl, you're a bad guy there's no fun things about that you're a bad guy over the next six months the investigation to brandon hubbard and his practices were slowly unfurling he was a drug dealer with a family history of addiction and after he was injured at work he grew dependent on pain prescriptions he was given eventually he lost the prescription right fucking said this shit but his dependence meant that he looked just looked elsewhere which led him to heroin Wow, well, people do heroin in uh Portland? Who would have guessed? Psych, street litter with heroin addicts. He, was st- <laughs> he started buying drugs off the dark web and in 2014 found a drug called China White. It was marketed as strong as heroin, so he ordered a sample. But it caused his girlfriend and two friends later to non-fatally overdose. Remember, like I said, you don't always overdose. when you. Have, I mean, he, They probably still had to do some Norton Narcan or something, but they just didn't die. After contacting the Chinese seller, he learned about it and it was called fentanyl. Imagine that. The Chinese seller has a fucking HR department that you can call... You know, it's just like, "Hey, would uh, number one, are you calling to buy more fentanyl? <laughs> number two, would you like to speak to an associate? You think when you call fin- it, China, it just goes to another person in India? It's like, hey, this is Rod Jeep in India. How can I help you?" Uh, yeah, earlier I was on, I was working for T-Mobile, but I got to tell you, this China white business has been f- f- firing. Discovering fentanyl happened by accident, but Brandon fell in love with the drug and began ordering packages of one hundred percent pure fentanyl to be delivered through the mail he's using it and he starts selling it but pe- since people hadn't heard of fentanyl he always had to explain how potent it was it was so potent that he was once quoted saying if i were to walk up to you and say here try this and walk away that would be murder so then brandon maybe you shouldn't be doing this buddy by the end of 2014 brandon hubbard was the most successful fentanyl dealer in the country making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month selling it on the dark web the batch that finally reached Bailey Hankey also ended up killing seven people, which meant that on July 13, 2016, Brandon Hubbard was sentenced to life in prison. While this arrest did knock out the largest fentanyl dealer in America, it didn't touch the sort of the jug. It was made in China, where fact- manufacturing fentanyl was legal for all chemical companies. And then the cartels in Mexico were able to easily get it in the United States. You see how many levels of things are working against you. Was It was legal for all chemical companies to make it. Someone's getting a kickback in China. Timeline. This one's labeled, please buy some fucking test strips, America. 2015, the DE issued a nationwide alert about fentanyl after more than 700 fucking overdoses were linked within the past two years. That's 350 a year, boy. This is just the fucking start. August 26, 2016, the CDC releases a report detailing the increase in drug products that test positive for fentanyl in synthetic opioid-involved overdose deaths. This report concluded that the increase in deaths was almost entirely due to fentanyl and as a separate point that it was not because pharmaceutical fentanyl was being used illegally. They were also finding that more and more of the drug each year for four years straight, meaning it was becoming more prevalent at a faster and faster year. So, like I said, this is the illegal fentanyl. Not to say that the illegal fentanyl wouldn't kill you. It would, but they weren't. it's pretty hard to get opiates. Around 2018, it gets a lot harder to get opiates at all. It was suggested in a report that the increase in deaths was likely because people were taking fentanyl annoyingly in the form of cut heroin or counterfeit pills made to look like oxys. That's the thing, folks. If you ever do buy anything on the streets, use a fentanyl pill. and Or fentanyl pills. <laughs> don't use a fennel if you're ever buying any illicit drugs off the streets anything from molly cocaine um i guess if you're doing heroin test it the strips are very cheap you can get them on amazon prime so the big problem where most people that i know are dying not most people i know are dying but most people i've known whether it's now um just you know uh, they're putting it in cocaine for no for some reason but a lot of them um I used to be able to get these little Oxy-30s. They're called Roxycontins, and they were blue with an M on them. And that was kind of the standard pill that everyone wanted. She was 30 milligrams, slapped hard. I think at one time you could smoke them. People were smoking them. They tasted like uh, marshmallows. I never did that one. Um, I did eat these ones. These were sick. But the thing is, those are so hard to get that now people are using the same kind of press, pill press they use to make back those back ecstasy pills, you know? It's just like a weird blue pill with a little Pikachu on it they found the M that goes on those old pills and they're making these. So that's why if you ever did buy pills, make sure it's a sealed bottle from a doctor no matter what. No matter what. fentanyl test that shit. Or don't do it and you won't die. There you go. Um, I mean, shit, I love taking these things, but I haven't taken one in years. Three, four years probably. February 11, 2019, DEA and New York City narcotics officers seize 20,000 pills of count counterfeit oxycodone suspected to c- contain fentanyl. The blue pills were stamped with M30, right, like I told you, closely matched the markings of prescription oxycodone, and after testing, it was confirmed that they retained with fentanyl. November 2019, police in Baja, California, began intercepting loads of fentanyl in varying sizes from 5 to 9 kilos. These packages were dropped off in the ocean, where cartel boats would grab them before the police could get them. That's what I'm saying, man. Five to nine kilos, that can make an infinite number of pills. If all you need a kilo, think of a kilo somewhat the size of a book, like a hardbound book, okay? And now think that um, three granules of, of fentanyl would kill you. So now think how many granules are in a fucking book. and Now you can understand why people are selling this and why they're doing it. Cat, no, leave me alone. Researchers of oh, December 2019, researchers from some of Mexico's top universities published a collaborative study report that details the fentanyl boom on the Mexican side of a border. They find that nearly 100% of the white powder, heroin, and crystal meth contain fentanyl. Why is it in meth now? Tijuana was the deadliest city in Mexico in both in, yeah, 2018 and 2019, doomed almost entirely to turf war that arose over selling the drugs to locals. Numbers fell in 2020 and 2021, looks to be the deadliest deadliest year yet. A majority of homicide suspects and victims are low-level drug dealers killing each other to sell on corners. Also, uh, it's it's the best place to go into America, one of the best places. And if you're one of the cartels who are running that town, you're the only one allowed to go through there. So, you know, it's the bridge to California. That's a pretty large drug market. 2020, the deadliest year yet. Ninety-three. Thousand people die from overdose-related deaths. The pandemic played a substantial part in this, as the isolation forced people to do drugs alone or to source their drugs from a norm- new dealer. At the same time, cartels began cutting more and more of their drugs with fentanyl. <laughs> Makes sense, you know. You're fucking. You like taking drugs. You're freaking out. You can't go outside. Your dealer can't get drugs anymore because the, the the fucking the government's cracking down on the border as hard as ever, so they're harder to get through. Guys are spiking their shit more to. To to make the product last longer. People are ODing alive or alone. God damn, what a terrible way to die. Hmm. 2021, authorities in Mexico see a large uptick in seizures of M30 fentanyl pills. They cost about $2 USD. You can sell those probably 60 to 90 bucks. Back when I first started dabbling in the trade, they were about a dollar to fifty cents a, a milligram. So 30s would be about, you know, 12 bucks now they're 65 so you can see how a pill that you know if, if a pills 65 dollars and you have to get it from a from a from a doctor it's going to be harder to get because it's harder to get opiates right now than ever before which it should be because this is what they did to us and then but or you can just get one of those kilos of you know mexican heroin uh mexican fentanyl in each granule put a tiny little granule in this fake blue pill that you make and then you're like, hey, I'm making $58 per pill. Rather than if you try to get it from a doctor. I don't know. You probably have to have cancer or something terrible now. They're not really giving those out anymore. So now you can see why drug are giving to people. September 27th, 2021. This bitch is about three weeks ago. God damn. The DE issues a public safety alert warning of the alarming increase in the number in lethality, lethality of counterfeit pills laced with fentanyl and meth. Well, the meth aren't probably going to kill you. They have been found in every state already, and at the time of the warning, over 9.5 million had been seized nationwide. God damn. That number is more than 2019 and 2020. Wow. So in 2019 and 2020, they're each 10 million seized, seized pills. God damn. It's like, how do you even... Ugh. DEA testing also revealed a dramatic increase in the number of pills containing at least two milligrams of fentanyl, which is the lethal dose. (sighs) Last thing I'm going to say on this. Well, no, we're going to keep going, but listen to this. Two out of every five counterfeit pills contain enough fentanyl to kill you. Once again, two out of every five counterfeit pills contain enough fentanyl to kill you so out of the 10 million that come across every year or more 4 million out of the 10 are just are going to kill you coming over the border wow man synopsis please buy test strips putting aside the history of fentanyl all the good all the bad how it's been used who used it where it was something tragic is happening right now fentanyl is out there like never before and is killing tens of thousands of people. In 2013, during the third wave of overdose deaths, fentanyl killed 700 people in two years. Since then, fentanyl has become 1,000% more prevalent, and deaths have gone from about mm, 700 in two years to over 50,000 last year. We're currently living in the fourth wave of overdose deaths, and 60% of all those deaths can be tied in some way to fentanyl. The other issue is most of the people that are dying never intended to use opiates at all, much less fentanyl. It is being manufactured in China, shipped to Mexico, and once there, the cartels are cutting it into other drugs. It isn't being treated like a hyper-powerful opiate that it is, but frequently cartels can cook a deadly batch with just too much fentanyl mixed in with the other drugs. Mixing in a stimulant-like cocaine with an opiate-like fentanyl has devastating consequences on the body. But even worse, when it's a surprise. And there doesn't seem to be any reason afford besides money. Heroin, for example, requires careful cultivation of poppy fields, but then synthetic opiates can be cheaply manufactured on an industrial scale with few basic chemicals and a couple of lessons. It costs around $3,000 to $4,000 to produce a kilo of heroin and about the same produced uh, a kilo of phenyl. The heroin can sell for about 60000 a kilo in bulk pure heroin and several $100,000 when diluted and sold by the gram. The extreme potence, potency of fentanyl means it can be slit into many kilos, 16 to 24, which can yield profits of well over $1.4 million sold on the street. Do you understand what I'm saying here, folks? What I'm saying is you can see why someone, when it costs about $3,000 to make a kilo of heroin or a kilo of fentanyl, but you can sell one kilo for $60,000 of heroin, or you can sell you know, split it up into whatever you got to, but one kilo of pure fentanyl can go up to 1.4 milli. Parsing it out into pills can be even more lucrative. A kilo of fentanyl can produce more than 650,000 pills that can sell for 20 to $30 each. And you know why, I mean, people want to do fucking some pill because they're like, Hey, I'm not a heroin addict. I just like pills. The reach of this drug is increasing at a dangerous rate. In one bust in Phoenix in 2019, the DEA seized half as much fentanyl as they had the entire year prior. One bust. In Ohio, fentanyl is in 18.8% of the cocaine seized by law enforcement this year. In early June, San Francisco police seized 16 pounds of fentanyl, or as a police chief, Bill Scott, put it, enough to wipe out San Francisco's population four times over it's out there. But there's no way to know exactly how much is out there. It's kind of like playing Russian roulette with an unknown number of guns and an unknown number of bullets in each gun. If you take prescription pills that did not come directly from a pharmacy or any drugs that are not from a reliable source, the chance is small, but you are risking your life. Minuscule amounts of fentanyl can cause overdose or death, and the drug market right now is absolutely fucking flooded with it. There is a constant impossible-to-quantify risk of fentanyl-contaminating cocaine, meth, ecstasy, counterfeit pills, and other drugs. You are more likely to encounter fentanyl now than ever before, but test strips are sold online for 20 bucks in bulk. Be careful and tell your friends It could save your life. Whew, kind of a fucked-up episode, but it uh, had to be done. Um, this one, you know, th- I, I want to I give thanks to Gray Livingston for having go through all this stuff. I want to thank you guys listening also you know not a religious man but i make i make a prayer and, I'm, and i think about everyone that i've lost from fentanyl and drug overdoses and i hope uh you know i hope this can help you somehow and i know we've all lost people and it sucks but the best we thing we could do is either completely stop taking drugs or you know being a lot more safe love you guys stay for stay tr- stay good this one's making me a little emotional right now. Um, coming up, you know, I'm going to try and get these out. I know this one was a little bit late, but, you know, this one's kind of a fucked up episode. It's kind of hard to do. Also, I'm going on tour with Bert Kreischer for the next month. I'm going to try to bust those out on the road. Um, you know, I'm trying, guys. Love you guys. See you next time. Sorry this one's a little bit of a downer, but hopefully you're going to know a little bit what the fuck this drug is, why was it good, and why it's fucking better everything right now. All right, guys. See you later. Peace.